We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway! Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We've got a survey going around through Blue Wire. You can find that in the description of this podcast episode. Fill that out. Help us learn a little bit more about Blue Wire listeners. Uh, I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Pat. Jason, Jim Boylan, still the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Even Joe Cowley filed yeah. a hit piece on that <laughs> of all parties saying, uh, come on, Bulls, get this over with. Fire Jim Boylan. I actually totally agree with Cowley on that. And it makes me think that my stance on this has been a little soft in the past where I've been like, yeah, I don't really need Boylan to be fired immediately. I just don't want him to coach another game. Well, but, like, what's the point of dragging this out? Like, Boylan's obviously a terrible coach. Just fire him. Get this over with. Prove your competency as a leader, Karnaschovas. So, hopefully, by the next time we record an episode, Jason, that's done. And we can start the coaching search process and give us something else to talk about. Because it's just ridiculous that this continues to linger. And I wonder what Boylan thinks, too. Maybe he's getting some false hope. Uh, anyways, this is going to be the Zach and Lowry podcast. We're going to do a season review of Zach Levine, a season review of Lowry Markinen. Uh, I guess, how are you doing, Jason? How are you feeling? Today? I'm doing all right. Just before we go into the Zach and Lowry stuff to, to address the boil and stuff, I feel like some of this was also kind of spurred on by all these candidates with the Knicks. The Knicks, like a bunch of names have come out. Like I think we're in like double-digit numbers. Like, so the Knicks are going and doing this coaching search. They got names coming out like Ime Udoka, who supposedly is the Bulls' front runner. Uh, was reported as a Knicks candidate. And obviously, the reporting for a long time has been that Tom Thibodeau will be the Knicks coach. I mean, who knows? Maybe that just smokescreen stuff. But I think that all those names coming out, I think Kali mentioned that in his column, just like like the Bulls shouldn't like be sitting back and waiting while like the Knicks are doing their own search. And I know our guy, Matt, 
at bloggable has been really hammering this hard. And like, I'm still not like, I'm not saying I'm like worked up and like angry, but I mean, you do have to wonder like how long, like, okay. Karnashova says that he wants, he wanted to, uh, whatever, like meet face to face with Boylan, kind of go over film, stuff like that. Like, I guess like how long do you need to do that? Because I believe he is now in Chicago. Uh, you get a week to do that. And then maybe next week, the firearm. I don't know. I know Boylan was part of like that, I think he joined that peace march that was in the city on Juneteenth on Friday. So he's, I mean, he's still doing stuff with the team, obviously, and acting like he's coach. And it is weird. I, like I'm not angry yet. Uh, hopefully, if it does keep dragging out, though, uh, definitely we'll start to <laughs> maybe get a little anger. But enough about Jim Boylan. We talked about him last week. Go listen to our Jim Boylan pod for more thoughts on Jim Boylan last week. Let's talk about Zach Levine and Lowry Market. We're going to do a season in review. Obviously, we don't have, we're like six months away from Bulls basketball again, so we had a long time. So we're going to do some season re- in review of players. We did Boylan last week. Now we're going to start doing some of the team. And we're going to, and obviously Levine and Lowry are kind of linked together since they both were uh, basically the quote-unquote gems of the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, and it was definitely, obviously Lowry, kind of a disaster season. Zach Levine, Started the season poorly and then kind of came on. He, I think he, he just missed an all-star berth. He was definitely one of those fringe candidates there. Him and Bradley Beal were kind of lumped in together. But uh, Zach Levine, we've obviously talked a lot about Zach Levine on this podcast as the Bulls' best player. Where he sits in terms of a player, like do you want to build around him? Like how good is he on like a championship team? And I guess if we just go go look at his season, like I mentioned, he had a really slow start. Um and I think that really cost him probably in that all-star voting. He did come on strong, and, he, and we, we saw him have some great games. I mean, that their Hornets game, we saw him bail the Bulls out multiple times, and he ended up having a career season. He put up something like 25 points per game, 25 and a half points per game, I believe. Like, his efficiency was was pretty good considering his usage and considering just how much the Bulls needed him to do stuff. Uh, let me see, 25.5 points, 4.8 rebounds. His assist did go down to 4.2 assists. 45% was a bit down from last year, but the part of that was because he started jacking a lot more threes, 38% on eight threes a game. And considering the d- degree of difficulty, that's very good. So like Zach Levine, I, I've mentioned this on this pod before that I've, I feel like I've gained a little more appreciation of Zach Levine as a player. He's not, he's only making like 19 million a year. He's on a pretty good contract. And I think we're both kind of in the same boat as we think Zach Levine's a good player. He's just not the guy you like need, he can't be your best player. He's not going to be that guy to build around. I think and there's some more stats I'll bring up later to kind of prove that point. And I, I think we both, I think this year just kind of, kind of uh, just, just hammer that point home again, that he's a damn good player, but he's probably best as like a high level number two, number three guy. And not just as a guy that's going to lead your team to a lot of victories Because so far. He has not been to the playoffs. He's not been over 500 in his NBA career. So uh, just, I guess your general thoughts on Zach Levine's season, uh, and I guess where he goes from here as a player with the bull. And well, I guess we'll talk about his future in a bit. Just let's your general thoughts about his season first. Yeah. I think like the big trend in NBA basketball today is to be a heliocentric team, which would mean to have the entire team be built around one player. And I think that what we've learned through Zach Levine's what two and a half seasons with the bulls so far is that he just isn't going to be that guy. He's not going to be the dude who you can put the ball in his hands and like every other piece on the team needs to be a complimentary piece for Zach's skill set. That's just not him. So like, you know, when you think of those guys, it's like Luka Doncic, it's James Harden. It looks like it's Trey Young, obviously LeBron, Damian Lillard, uh, Jimmy Butler. The Bulls had one of those guys and uh, they chose not to build around him. But Levine, I think my ultimate takeaway is that he's a very good scorer. 
obviously everyone knows he's a poor defender. His defensive ability hasn't meaningfully improved, I would say, in his three seasons with the Bulls. He says the right things. It seems like he works hard. I think his issue is more like play recognition in general defensive awareness than any sort of like effort deficiency uh, or even like, you know, athletic deficiency when it comes or like, you know, size deficiency when it comes to defense. I think he just has generally poor awareness. But then offensively, I've said this a bunch of times on this podcast, but I view his inability to consistently make high level decisions with the ball in his hands to be as limiting to him in his in terms of his overall impact as his poor defense because there's been a lot of players in this league who were gr- mega stars who couldn't defend i mean trey young is you know the obvious one right now where trey young is probably one of the best offensive point guards ever already at 21 years old uh terrible defensive player probably the worst defensive player in the league but he's still a positive impact player to a significant degree because he has such great offensive awareness he's such a great passer and obviously a lights out shooter and then you have someone like steve nash i would think of as well as a poor defensive player but still obviously a star so levine is a lights out scorer Levine is a great scorer. He's not really a great offensive player. If you look at any of these all-in-one numbers, like PIPM, like, you know, uh, any of the other, like, all-in-one numbers, too, the the Raptor metric by 538, Levine grades out as, like, a slightly positive offensive player. And uh, I think that that's mostly because of the role he's been in. I don't really think it's fair to write the book on Zach Levine as an NBA player right now and say something like, well, we know what Zach is. Well, you know, to this point, what Zach has been is a great scorer on a bad team. And that's sort of like a classic NBA archetype, the guy who puts up numbers, but his teams don't win. We know generally that those guys aren't, you know, that impactful and not not that great when it comes to like you know ranking all the best players in the league so zach's numbers i think don't really capture you know where he is in the league's pecking order but i do think that if he was in a different context where he was used more as an off the ball player rather than an on ball player that you could see his value skyrocket like if he was in a position where he's running off screens like he's rip hamilton the way the thibodeau used to use rip hamilton or if he was used similar to the way the warriors use uh clay thompson i think that levine's perception as a player would be totally different but instead we got him trying to play like james harden and he's just proven that he can't really handle that role. Now, why is he asked to do that? It's because everyone else on the team is so bad. They have no one else who can run a pick and roll or run in isolation. But my general takeaways on Levine is that he's a really good scorer. I mean, I, I got a stat in front of you, in front of me here, Jason. So uh, there were 15 players in the league, 15 full-time players who had a usage rate above 30%. And Levine is one of those players. And of those players, he ranks basically uh, dead in the middle in terms of true shooting percentage. So Levine's true shooting percentage on the year, I believe, was, let's see, 56.8, which is above average scoring efficiency. And he did that while being one of the 15 most high usage players in the game. So that right there tells you that like Levine is not a trash player at all. Like Levine is not a guy who I think is wildly overpaid. He is a guy, in my opinion, though, who's miscast in his role and who needs a stronger team context around him 
to truly be in a position to succeed. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I'm actually looking at RPM there. I, I don't know if RPM recently changed their formula, but like he grades out really well on that this season. I feel like I don't remember seeing that all year until I just checked now. So according to RPM, he's now really good, at least offensively. Uh, in terms of, they have him listed as a point guard too, which is very strange, although he kind of plays point guard anyways. But I guess according to RPM now, Zach has been ve- was very good this season. But again, I think they might have changed that recently. Either way, regardless... Yeah, I agree with most of what you're saying. Like he, and I think when it comes to the decision making as well, I think some of that we kind of saw bear out. I looked, I was looking up some clutch numbers when I was preparing for this podcast yesterday. And again, this is not all on him. This is a lot, like you said, the talent around him. Like we thought Tomas Sadaransky was going to be like a really nice fit because of his off ball and his shooting, which also kind of turned out to be a dud. But like he just was was not dynamic enough. So 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 often late in games as well, and just in general, Zach Levine would just be asked to do so much the ball handling so much of the scoring and decision-making. But again, look at these clutch numbers. While Zach was at the six most clutch points in the NBA with 109, clutch play is basically five minutes or less in the game or fourth quarter in overtime with a score within five points. And we, I mean, we obviously know we saw Zach save the Bulls several games this year, which is ridiculous three-point shooting and stuff like that. But if you, over, if you look at the overall clutch numbers, while he scored a lot, he also only shot 33% on field goal and three-point percentage. He only had four clutch assists to six turnovers. Lowry actually had one more clutch assist. I think he had like five. Uh, and I think we kind of saw that. We saw that in games, especially against good teams as well, where it would just turn into Zach playing hero ball. The decision-making was just not there. just not making high-level decisions. Uh, I think there was a game, was it the Raptors game this year? They lost, I think there was a game, like a back-to-back where they lost like really close games. So I think the Raptors and the Heat, and he played really poorly, I think, in both of them. Uh, but I think there was, yeah, here we go. Overtime. Yeah, here we go. This was early December. Levine, 18 points, five of 19 shooting against the heat. They lost that game in overtime the next night, 20 points, six of 18 shooting 90, 93, 92 loss to the Raptors. And I believe that was the game that Raptors where he had a, a potential final shot and he like drove into multiple guys and tried to throw up, a, throw up a bad shot. And I think somebody, it might've been like Wendell Carter Jr. I can't remember exactly the play, but I think somebody was wide open. If he would have just made the right pass. And I think that kind of thing, just like that bear, bears out in the numbers, that just kind of thing is that just goes back to the decision making, and for the high level guys, obviously Hero Ball is gonna is gonna come into it sometimes, but they also need to make the smart play and the right play. And just too often, that's just not Zach Levine's game. He's got the mindset of a scorer. When if the Bulls go need need a bucket, he's gonna be the guy to take that shot. There might have, I feel like there were times later in the year where he did make a few nice passes in crunch time when he was covered but overall if you just look at those numbers the efficiency was awful he had no assists and that's again that's not all on him these guys still have to make shots uh if the offense is basically if Jim Boylan's basically just asking Zach Levine to go save them that'll happen but again and that's kind of on him too and it's kind of something we've seen the decision making's not there he gets tunnel vision tries to play hero ball too much uh and it can just be a problem that, and that again just kind of limits his ceiling well he's a very good offensive player this kind of stuff just shows why he really I guess has has been one of the reasons why he just hasn't been a winner yet. He was also like a team worst. I'd have to pull those numbers up again. I think it was like a team worst, like minus 65 in these clutch minutes. So like, and that also goes with the defense, making key defensive mistakes. I mean, we've seen those highlights before as well, where you know, again, you mentioned the awareness and just like losing his man on screens or just like losing off the ball and a guy makes a cut and you lose him. It's just a pro. It's just one of the problems with Zach Levine as a player. Like, cause it does, that doesn't mean he's bad or anything. It just, that was one of the problems this season. One of the reasons why the Bulls did underachieve. Like, I don't want to put a lot of this on Zach Levine because he did have these games where he would go off and he would save them, save them offensively. But he also really struggled in clutch and crunch time while like taking the majority of those shots. So he does have to bear uh, some of the blame for some of these struggles this season as well. 
Yeah, and you know, I just brought up that list of the 15 guys who had a usage rate over 30. Uh, Of that list, Levine ranks number 13 in terms of assist percentage. The only guys he's ahead of are Joel Embiid and Donovan Mitchell. And there's some guys on this list above him who are not considered great playmakers. Kawhi Leonard passing has never been the strong suit of Kawhi's game. It's always been like sort of his one glaring flair. He had a higher assist percentage. You got Bradley Beal on there. And looking at that list, even D. Rose had a 40.5% assist rate with Detroit. D. Rose had some really good numbers with the Pistons this past year. He did. Uh, You know, almost double what Levine posted in terms of assist rate because Levine was at 21.7. So in addition to, you know, the general scouting report on Levine, sort of how his numbers stand up in context. We also know that Levine is always sort of at the center of the team in terms of his relationship with Jim Boylan by being the Bulls' leading scorer and kind of their star player. Uh, We saw a lot of sort of passive-aggressive remarks out of Levine uh, regarding Boylan. I think, you know, Levine showed that he's not an idiot. Like, Levine seems like a pretty smart guy. I think he has... uh, you know, he, he sort of like gets what it takes to be an NBA player. I think for better for, or for worse, he kind of has the Mamba mentality. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, he didn't back down to calling out Jim Boylan. And I think that you can go over some of the some of the, the highlights and the lowlights of the Levine Boylan relationship. Yeah, absolutely. But before we do that, I'm going to take a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Are you looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we are back. Cash Considerations, H. Chicago Bulls podcast. Talking about Zach Levine, you mentioned before the break here, just talking about some of the issues he's had with Jim Boylan. And, th- and this goes back to last season, if you remember. I mean, the... Uh, he was obviously very frustrated. I think just about, especially when they were in that stretch where they had lost, I think something like fifteen or sixteen ga- out of fifteen out of sixteen games. And Zach was definitely outspoken about just some of the issues with Boylan as head coach. And then there was the whole nonsense about like the, the paying of the fine, offering to pay the fine or whatever. And that was like a huge storyline. And oh, everything was fine. And in the offseason, we heard that they had patched up the relationship and it was all fine. But then we 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 saw issues this year as well. There was when. Boylan kind of singled out Zach Levine and benched him after like three plays in that heat game where they got blown out from the, the start. Levine, they, and then they had a whole a talk together and Levine came back and had the best game of his career with that Hornets game the next night with 49 points and 13 threes in the game winner. Um, but even, I mean, besides that, but just like, throughout the year, just little times where Zach clearly showed frustration. We saw stuff with the timeout stuff when we talked about the Jim Boylan timeout fiascos last week where they, you know, they would like cut to Zach Levine and he'd be, be like, why the fuck are we calling a timeout down 10? And, or he'd, we'd see him on the bench just like looking just despondent and just like totally like out of it and upset. So definitely a rocky relationship there between Levine and Boylan. And I have to assume the reporting that's out there uh, about how some players have given feedback uh, about Jim Boylan that hasn't been so good. You have to think Zach Levine has probably been one of those guys that has not really – not really given the best feedback. Uh, I know at all star break at the, at his media thing at all star, but I asked him kind of a joking question about 
uh, Boylan helping him with the three point contest, and I, he basically like deflected it. It was kind of funny. I mean, he like he he says he usually says the right things, but there are times where it slips out where it's clear that he's frustrated. So. I, I definitely don't think the relationship is great there. I would assume he's one of those who has kind of given the negative feedback to the front office, which again, front office make the move fire Jim Boylan already. But yeah, and there's, there's definitely been, a, he's not the only one. There's obviously been other guys as well, but Zach Levine as the best player on the team, having some of these just notable clashes and some of these notable comments, just another reason why Jim Boylan should be fired. But we've, I mean, we are serious talking about that. And then I think the bigger thing than how Zach fit with Boylan that's going to affect the Bulls moving forward is how Zach fits with Kobe White. Yep. And when Zach and Kobe shared the court together, Jason, you emailed me this stat. Uh, their offensive rating was 105. Their defensive rating was 115. So Bad. what that tells you is that they couldn't stop anyone and that their offensive games weren't really complimentary, right? Like they're both kind of similar in how they attack defenses. I think Levine's obviously like a way more explosive athlete, stronger going to the rim. But both of these guys sort of just like to cook on their own. And a lot of times it looks like they're playing you know, one on five basketball. So in my opinion, I don't think that Zach and Cody are going to be a tenable pairing long term. One of them probably has to be moved. I think the inclination right now, especially with the way Kobe White closed the season is to say that, you know, Kobe's the keeper move Zach. But, you know, Kobe has a lot of room to grow before you hit Zach's level, let alone surpasses him as a scorer. So I, I don't totally rule out the fact that, you know, you trade Kobe White and you keep Zach. I think that that's, you know, something that Karnaschovic should at least be have an open mind to when he's evaluating the team. Uh, But, you know, what do you think on this? Do you think Zach and uh, Kobe can work long term or do you think that one of them ultimately will be sent out within the next two years? I don't want to say they can't. Like, I hate their... Kobe's a rookie. He obviously had an up and down rookie season. And he started coming out really strong. The sample size that they played uh, with that stat that you brought up, I think it was like 700 some minutes, a decent amount, but still, I mean, just in the grand scheme of things, pretty damn small. Like I, I feel like I would like to see them uh, play more together and see maybe with a better coach, but I think the concerns are there and it would not surprise me at all in the future that you have to decide between one of them. Because like you said, they're both kind of gunners. The defense is obviously a huge issue there. That 115 D rating and 747 minutes with those two on the court together is really awful. Obviously, there's other context that has to be taken into account when looking at these type of lineup numbers. But I mean, that's that's really bad. That's really bad. And just the way, like you said, the play styles, their, their defensive ability in general, like I don't think either guy's. Obviously, Zach's in the league has been in the league for a long time at this point. He's not going to become a great defender at this point. Kobe White, I feel like he gave decent effort on defense, but I mean, still he was a rookie, rookie point guard, and it's tough. But I don't think he's, I don't think he really projects as like a lockdown defender at some point either. So like, if you're looking at those two as your future, your front court or back court of the future, I don't know. Like, they could be a hell of a lot of fun. I was, they get buckets, they make crazy shots, and that's a lot of fun. Does that translate to winning basketball? Obviously, have some major doubts there. Uh, and Karnaschovas has said he wa- he wants to evaluate this roster. He's not necessarily going to be in position, not going to like just come in here and blow everything up. But everything should be on the table here. You you could look look to trade Zach Levine. Look to trade. We'll talk about Lowry obviously shortly. Or, I mean, look to trade Kobe. White. I don't. I think fans would probably be very upset if they traded Kobe White. But I mean, if there was a trade out there that ended up with Kobe White going out and if good stuff came back. I mean, sure. Why not again? Everything should be on the table with this franchise right now for this new front office. This, the group has, they haven't won anything. So like, what are you, what are you giving up at this point? You're 
you're bailing on something that has been total mostly shit. So like whatever. Like, that's why anything should be on the table. Any smart exec should come in and if he wants to make changes, I'm all for it. Like obviously you don't want to come out and make and try to make uh, panic moves, but I mean if there's a deal that's out there that makes sense, trade maybe trade Zach Levine, maybe trade Kobe White, maybe trade Larry Markin. You might just have to shake things up. Uh, do I think that'll happen this summer or this offseason? I still would be kind of surprised. I the way Karnashovas has talked, maybe he's just kind of whatever, just whatever, saying saying whatever and just like putting on a good face. Maybe he will blow it up. But he, the way he was talking, it seems like he would like to see this group play a bit more. He was kind of talking up talking up some of these guys, and maybe he would like to see them with the new coach again. More points than just firing Jim Boylan. Like, why would you keep this group together with this coach when we've seen the results so far? So I would be surprised if there's a big trade like that with at least Zach. Maybe I, we'll talk about Laura in a second here. I would be surprised. Would it? Would I be upset if they did trade Zach Levine? I guess it depends on the on the return. And I do think, and I feel like we've talked about this before. Just I feel like the return on Zach, like I'm, I'm not really sure, like what the like his value is around the league, like. I just don't know what you would. Obviously, there's just so many trades you could possibly look into. I, I'm not sure if you can trade what you would get back in any trade for like Zach Levine for any team that could really use him would really be worth it for the Bulls, considering that he is very good. He is their top scorer. Uh, you can argue, obviously, that he doesn't impact winning enough that trading him might be end up being for the better if you end up then building around like Kobe, Wendell, and Lowry or something like that. So I don't know. It'll be very interesting. Like I said, I think anything should be on the table. Yeah, we should move this conversation to Lowry Markkinen. Uh, if, you know, longtime listeners of the podcast, I think will remember that we repeatedly said in the preseason that Markkinen was going to be the most important guy on the team, right? That, yeah. uh, you know, it was his third year. Uh, he had sort of been plagued by injuries his first two seasons. He had shown flashes of being potentially like a primary option on offense, uh, but he still had a lot of holes in his game as a playmaker. Still had, you know, a lot of question marks defensively. So the pressure was on Lowry this year, I think, to uh, show what he was going to be worth in his next contract, which I believe can be negotiated. It can be negotiated like during the offseason. So yes. that's something that he's eligible for uh, extension this offseason. Yeah. So that's something Karnashov is going to have to make a determination on. And then also just like where he fits into the Bulls long term and sort of their overall rebuild plan. And I. I think that unequivocally, Markinen was the most disappointing player oh, on the yeah. roster. He had a great first game in that really disappointing opening loss to Charlotte season opener on October 23rd. He went for 35 points, 17 rebounds, shot 13 to 25 from the field. Well, then after that, Markinen was pretty terrible. Specifically in November, Markinen averaged 11.9 points per game on 33% shooting from the field, 31% shooting from three. Uh, he only grabbed six boards, under two assists again. Now, he was a little bit better in January. In January, he averaged 17 a game, 50% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from three. So that was good, but he couldn't really sustain it. Or I'm sorry, that was in... Uh, that was in December. I'm getting my numbers crossed up here. But uh, basically, Markinen had one pretty good month. And otherwise, it was the same story we see out of him every year, which is that uh, he didn't really take a meaningful step forward. His numbers from this year look awfully similar to his numbers from his first two seasons. Uh, he again had some injury question marks, right? And it's just like, where does this guy really fit in? 
to the long-term picture is still a major question with the Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the injury stuff. Like there were rumblings that like he had like a weird injury, like oblique thing. I think Boylan mentioned early in the year and people thought, well, is that hurting him? Like maybe they should have sat him down. And then later in the year he had, I think it was a hip that kept him out for, what was that like four to six weeks? That was like a whole weird situation because they were talking about how like, well, you know, if it was the playoffs, he'd be fine. But like, uh, since now we're just going to sit him down. So like, it doesn't get worse or like totally tears, like just we- more just weird injury stuff with him. And yeah, if you just like look at his minutes, like his usage went way down. His minutes went down, the shots down, his three point attempt rate and free throw went actually went up a little bit, but the, the, the other shots just completely went away. Uh, they, I, we know like the mid range stuff. We've talked about the mid range stuff. We don't want guys shooting a ton of mid range shots, but his mid range game like went totally away. And I feel like that kind of hurt him. He shot, like I said, he barely shot any shots from mid range. His shooting percentage from there was also terrible, but just because he like never really did it. So it's not like he could ever really establish himself there. And just too often, he just turned into kind of a spectator. Like I think we, we had a similar, I think, complaint with Nikola Miritich where he too often he just was basically just kind of used as a floor spacer and a three point shooter, which I want him, we, we've talked about, we want Lowry to shoot a lot of threes. Like I think the amount, he shot six threes a game this year. I'm fine with around six, seven, maybe even up to eight, but he's also got to get that usage in other places in terms of attacking the, the rim and taking some mid range shots. Like Dirk Nowitzki used to like to take a lot of people like to talk about Lowry and Dirk. Dirk made a killing with his mid range game and doing stuff in the post and doing stuff down low. Like while you obviously you don't want to fall in love with mid range shots, that has to be part of his game. Because otherwise, if he's just going to be a floor spacer, like th- that's just a, that's just like a decent role player. And he said he had one good month, which was kind of what happened last year as well. He had the big February you mentioned, where he kind of looked like he could be that one A guy or a one B guy, where he put up like twenty five a game. But, but besides that, the three seasons, like you mentioned, have just kind of looked overall similar in terms of like the advanced numbers, in terms of his efficiency. It's basically been around the same. So just the general stagnation of him, and just like the lack of development, has been really. It's really a problem. And I think, again, we're going to bring up Jim Boylan again. How much would you put on Lowry? How much would you put on Jim Boylan? How much would you put on, I guess, Bulls teammates just not being good enough? Like, I, like who like who is to blame for Lowry just completely failing to develop into the player that we all thought he could so yeah, far, at least? You emailed me a good Lowry quote, which I missed. Uh, and this was from an international outlet. Lowry was quoted as saying, I had 80 touches per game in the past two seasons. This season, the touches dropped to 40. Don't get me wrong. I had some plays drawn up with me in mind, but it's just different. When I spoke to Jim, we talked about how I should concentrate on getting rebounds and leading the fast break, but it's really hard getting 40 defensive rebounds. (laughs) So I went back and double checked these numbers. And in Markkinen's rookie year, he averaged 71.3 touches per game, which was right behind CP3 and in front of Carl Towns. His second year, he averaged 66.2 touches per game, which was more than Zach Levine, who was the most on the team. And this year, he averaged 45.3 touches per game, which is about the same as Derek Favors. So I had never seen these stats before. I think it is a totally fair call out. Uh, we talked a lot about how, you know, Markinen was used as a floor spacer and not as an attacker. I do think the game plan has something to do with it, but the stat that has always come to mind for me with Markinen is percentage of baskets that were assisted. And pretty much every year, Markinen shows that he can't really score unless he gets a feed from someone and he's set up. This year, again, same thing. 73.3% of his baskets were assisted. And when you're looking at like all-star level guys, even front court guys, that number is usually like 50, 55 or less. And for Markinen, 
to be getting nearly three quarters of his baskets assisted shows me that he's not someone who's going to be able to create something out of thin air. And he is someone who would really benefit from a great offensive initiator at the controls. Like I think the entire conversation around marketing changes if the Bulls would have won the lottery and gotten Luka Doncic. Now, like, you know, obviously the whole context of the team and the franchise changes as well and marketing could really slot into more like of a secondary option which i think is you know where he where he's meant to be uh but instead we keep waiting for him to like be baby dirk and to be you know the guy who we can build the offense around but he just hasn't shown an ability to create his own offense and when that's the case i think at the end of the day you're more of a supporting cast guy yeah, absolutely. So, like, the one the question is, like, is he, like, whatever, a foundational piece? Like, right now, it's just hard to say that he is. Like, and, again, it goes into, like, if you want to trade him or what his future is, and we'll talk about that in a second. You're like, anything should be on the table there. And, yeah, and the also going to that, the playmaking as well, just not there. I think something – I think he averaged – I think it was slightly up in assists. I'd have to pull that up. I think it was – but it's still, like, 1.4, 1.5 assists per game. He's just kind of been around that. So, like, lack of playmaking doesn't get to the line that often. Just that kind of stuff where – that. You're doing stuff on your own, creating stuff out of nothing. If you need to, if you need a bucket, you need a tough basket. You can't really just give the ball to Lowry and expect him to go uh, score. And we saw that. We saw some like really ugly stuff this season when he would try to do that. When he would try to like put the ball on the floor and like create offense, and it would just he would get like bullied, get beasted, get the ball stolen from him. That happened all the time this year. It's so, like that if he's even going to get close to an All Star level player, like he just got to get so much better at that with his ball handling. He's got to tighten that up. He's got to. I know he's been getting stronger, but and he's obviously that shows in his muscle. But like he just certainly does not play strong all the time. Like I know sometimes he's a few times in his career he's had like really aggressive going to the basket and dunks, but he doesn't do that enough. So yeah, just so many questions there about. And I think we have to really. I think the Bulls fans just have to change their expectation for level for him. Like we thought maybe he could be that be the top guy. Now I think you have to expect more like a secondary role or maybe the third best player on the team. And that might even be generous at this point because he, I mean, so far he's basically just been outside of a few months. He's basically just been like an okay role player, just the guy. And that doesn't even talk about his defense. His defense is like a whatever. He's not really a shot blocker, anything like that. So like, it's not like he's going to be a game changer on defense either. So like he's got to make more of an impact on offense if he's actually going to be like a real impact guy in a winning team. So like there's still so many questions there. And that's why this season was just so disappointing because like I said, he ended up having a season where, like, he again got to a similar point where it was last year. His numbers were just kind of down because of usage in general. But it's like it just ended up kind of being like the same guy. He bounced back a little after that awful start. He had some decent games, but it just ended up being that same guy. And like, so year four, I guess let's looking into that future now. You mentioned he is eligible for an extension. I don't really see how he or the team would like get on the same page on a number there. And, and there's so many questions now with like the salary cap this year and moving forward because of the China thing and because of coronavirus. And we're not totally sure what the salary cap is going to look like. Uh, there are rumors that it's basically going to stay the same this year as it was or next year as it was this year, which is like 109 million. So I guess that wouldn't have that much of an impact, but I mean, the league is going to have a ton of losses this season, no matter if the season actually finishes or not. Uh, the 2020 free agent class is obviously not great. 2021 could be huge. I guess I, I I don't I, I don't know the only way I could if like Lowry would take like a team friendly extension at this point like I don't really see a reason why he would unless he just really wanted the security because he has never really stayed healthy but like you would think a guy like him like 
thinking he should he is a better player than he's shown that he would want next season as a prove it year. I mean, maybe maybe I'm totally off base on that, but I have a hard time believing the Bulls would put like an offer on the table that would satisfy him at all. So I'd be pretty surprised. What I, and I think we have talked about like what would be a number you would expect for Markkanen. I think we came to like 15 million a year, like at most right now, and even that might be a lot for a player who's never really been a positive impact guy outside of a few times. What, what's your take on the market extension? I got, I got one more number here for you from this past season. Hit me. Yeah. Lowry Markkinen assists 74. Lowry Markkinen turnovers 81. Yeah. <laughs> and then you look <laughs> at the per 100 possession stats. 2.4 assists per 100 possessions. 1.4 steals. 0.7 blocks. So basically mm-hmm. on a per game average, Markkinen is getting you one you know an assist a half per game or less every year of his career he's getting under one steal per game you know half a block per game basically and then his rebounding numbers are really average he had a strong rebounding year his second year a lot of that was due to robin lopez sort of clearing guys out stefano did a great article on that for the athletic back in the day he averaged nine boards a game uh, in his second year this year, only 6.3. Obviously, per game stats are super flawed, and you don't want to go off that. But even like, you know, his defense rebound percentage dropped six points, and uh, total rebound percentage dropped four points. So, not a great rebounder, that's for sure. I mean, we've been hoping that he could be average at best as a defensive player and as a rebounder. And I think that that might have been ambitious. And then, like, when you got a guy who's getting more turnovers than assists, I mean, how are you supposed to be an offensive focal point? You know, like people are getting mad that Markkinen's being used as a floor spacer. But like, bro, if you can't set up teammates and you can't read the floor, what else are you supposed to be when you were drafted into the league as a seven footer whose signature skill was shooting? Now, there is one thing that I think the Bulls could do to give him a chance here uh, in a way that he hasn't really been used in the past. And that is to let Mark and then handle the ball a little bit more as a pick and roll guy. This year, he had 18 possessions. The entire year is a pick-and-roll ball handler. He graded out excellent in the 88th percentile, scored 18 points on his 18 possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler. That accounted for 2.4 percentage of his total possessions. So the fact of the matter is that they never ran a pick-and-roll for the guy. His second year... Uh, he ran 40 pick and rolls, so it was 4.2% of his possessions, and he graded out as good, uh, 52nd percentile. And then his rookie year, they let him run 45 pick and rolls, 4.5% of his possessions again, and he graded out as excellent in the 87th percentile. So if you really want to engage Lowry Markkinen, like, why can't they let him run a pick and roll, especially when the talk the whole season or the last two, three seasons was that, you know, this is about development. This is about like preparing the children for the road or whatever (laughs) bullshit Boylan wants to say. All right. Well, then if it's all about development, why can't you let your 22 year old seven footer who you, you know, you traded a great player to acquire why can't you let him try to flush out his offensive skill set and give him some pick and roll reps? Because in very, very, very limited instances, he's been all right running pick and rolls. I mean, it should at least be enough to pique your interest. And the Bulls haven't let him do that. So in terms of his long-term extension, yeah, I mean, 15 was going to be the number I said in my head. I just don't see a scenario where the Bulls are in a stronger position without Markkanen. 
like at least sign him as long as you don't have to sign him to a crazy deal and then trade him because he's going to be hitting sort of his prime years on this second contract the bulls more than anything just need talent and marketing for all of his flaws is i think at least thought of around the league as a talented player someone who maybe another team thinks they could unlock so I feel like they got to keep marketing around. I also think marketing some of his quotes in the media, the fact that, you know, he became a dad at a very young age. I think that he doesn't really think the same way about things as a typical NBA player. So like maybe he would take a team friendly deal to get that security. Uh, Obviously neither of us know, but I would be shocked if he did. And yeah, I think like either way, marketing's not getting a max contract. There's, no. Well, that was on the table a year ago. Yeah, we talked about that. We thought maybe that he this year would lead him to a max contract this offseason. Obviously, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we'll see what he wants to do in terms of uh, accepting a deal. But I just feel like there's no way the Bulls are going to be in a stronger position without him on the roster, even if you just want to trade him. Yeah, I mean, also, like, I mean, you're, you'd be trading him at a low point. So, like, again, I, I think everything should be on the table. You could look at marketing trades possibility, but, like, again, tr- his value is basically at a low point this season, after this season. So, like, I don't know what you're going to get back that would actually make sense. Like, I've se- I feel like I've seen some people on Twitter talking about, like, just, oh, maybe we should look into getting Larry Marketing. Because there were also rumors that he was, like, upset with the direction of the team that he might look to go elsewhere but he came out on that podcast where he had that quote about his touches he he said oh i love chicago i'd like to sign an extension obviously we don't know exactly what he's thinking about staying what he i'm assuming he's a guy who would also like to move on from jim boylan and get somebody else in there to coach and again i would like i would like to see him under a new coach as well and maybe he would be unlocked and doing a bit more like you said uh who knows i don't know we don't know exactly but yeah like i feel like it's kind of similar to Levine. Like, I just don't know if you could, what you'd get back in a trade would be worth it at this point. So like, again, Carnage Jovis and Eversley have talked about marketing. There was there that they're kind of want to make him like a focal point and, or just like figuring out what, why he struggled, how to turn this around. And I know Carnage Jovis has kind of spoke, spoken glowingly. He's talked to Lauer and he's, again, it seems like this could all just be just a, whatever lip service. They're not going to come out and obviously trash the guy. And maybe they would come out and make a trade. I, I would also be surprised if they traded Lowry. So I guess, I guess ultimately like I would be surprised if the Carnage of us did come in and make any like huge moves this off season with Lowry, with Levine, with honestly anybody else on the roster. And I feel at least this off season, especially with so much uncertainty going around. Like I feel like it would at least might be worth it to at least give these guys a chance going into start of next season. And then if it goes like to, with a new coach and then if it goes to hell, then you start thinking, all right, you get, get them some time together with a new coach. If it goes to shit again, now you're talking about blowing stuff up. It's just not going to work with this group. Because I feel like still people do probably think that this core is still at least decent. Like maybe they're not as good as maybe we would have hoped, but they could still at least be better than they are. Uh, and again, with Lowry being at his value at a low point, like I just don't see, like you said, I don't see what uh, trading him now would like get you back in return that would make it worth it unless you just think if you get someone maybe still thinks he's really good and they put a big offer on the table, maybe. I don't know. Again, I'd be surprised by all this. But it'll be interesting to see. Again, as I said, I will continue to say this: if there is, if they do want to come in and blow this thing up, whatever, uh, it's fine. Like uh, we've been watching shit basketball now for several years. If they want to go in a new direction, I will support them. If they make if they make moves that seem like they make sense, and we'd have to see how things play out. But yeah, I mean, it's it just it's just tough because it was just a brutal season for Lowry, brutal season for the Bulls. Um, do you have any 
final thoughts here on, I guess, Lowry, just his, his future with the team. Any other thoughts on Levine or before we wrap up here? I think that our thoughts on both of those guys are uh, very much on the public record at this point. And you know, yeah. a, a lot hasn't changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did see it, it is funny that you see like other fans, uh, their take on Lowry and what they think of, you know, him as a player and what his draft value can be. I saw someone say Andrew Kelly, who's a Hawks fan. I follow on Twitter. Good draft follow as well. He said, you know, this could be a good trade Lowry to Phoenix for their pick. Oh and, yeah. I saw that as well. Yeah. And, uh, obviously the Suns were not one of the worst teams in the league this year. They're like 10. This is yeah. a bad draft. Maybe you're getting like yeah, Tyrese Halliburton or, you know, someone of that caliber at 10, but like, I don't really know if I would like that trading Lowry right, yeah, the 10th pick so. in this draft. But if you're really out on Lowry, then you could you can make a case for it that you know you would rather have Isaac Okoro or Cole Anthony or Devin Vassell. And like honestly, there's probably going to be a player in this draft who is picked 10 or later who yeah. ends up becoming much better than Lowry. But it's just like, who's that guy going to be? Right, Everyone yeah. in this class Crap seems so you. flawed that it just yeah. doesn't seem like a safe bet at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have to you know, continue to monitor the discussion on Lowry. And uh, I think that how he's perceived through the league is going to be is going to be really interesting over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think that's pretty much it for uh, the Levine and Lowry pod here. Uh, moving uh, next week. Assuming there is no Jim Boylan news, so maybe there will be. Let's cross our fingers. Maybe we'll actually do a Jim Boylan firing emergency pod. But we will continue to talk about, if if there's not, we will continue to talk about players. I think we'll probably look at guys like Wendell, maybe Kobe next week. We'll we'll figure that out. But we'll definitely continue to look at some of these core guys in the team and then go a bit deeper into the roster moving forward. Because, again, uh, we are like five, six months away from the Bulls actually playing another game. We don't know any – there hasn't really been an update about a possible like mini camp in this summer or into the fall. I know that's been talked about to get these teams that aren't going to the Florida bubble, which is supposedly still happening even though Florida is like a hot mess right now. But these teams that will not be going to the Florida bubble, that are, they've been talking about some kind of mini camp to have – maybe have some like scrimmages with these teams and stuff like that. We will say stay tuned on that. Perhaps we'll have some Bulls news on that. For but for now, we will just continue doing these season review pods. Like I said, we'll probably talk about guys like Wendell, Kobe, Otto, Chris Dunn. Those in, in the next couple weeks, uh, go deep in the roster after that. So, um, as always, shout out to Blue Wire Network and betonline.ig, our, our great sponsor. Please, all you listeners out there, please go fill out the survey that will be in the description of our pod when it goes up. Just we want to some information about our listeners, help us build our brand. And there's also prizes you can you you will enter to win. You can I believe we're maybe way blue wire merch. I believe AirPods are part of this, so please do fill that out. It helps us and just learn about more of our listeners. It just helps us grow as a company. So, and then as always with all the other blue wire pods, go please check them out. We've just we've added Baron Davis recently. We added Cup uh, Ian Hap. Uh, we obviously had the Megan Rapino Sue Bird Pod. We've been making huge additions lately at the Blue Wire Network here, so a lot of fun. A lot of fun to see that happening and see us grow as company for us, Cast Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Please rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing on Twitter, uh, wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, such as Spotify, Google Play, all those good places. So for Jason and Ricky this week, we'll talk to you guys next week with some Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls pod. Take it easy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.